You are listening to Girl Speak, a podcast series all about art, history, and contemporary culture with a girl's eye view. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Girl Speak, our news roundup for October 2014. I'm Tiffany Rhodes, a junior girl with Girl Museum. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, or streaming us today. Girlspeak is produced by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood. We are a completely virtual museum that explores and documents the unique experience of being born and growing up female around the world in the past and present. We begin October's roundup with a look at international news. Our first story comes from the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media which partnered with UN Women and the Rockefeller Foundation to conduct the first-ever international study on gender images in global films. Released in late September, the study was conducted by researchers from the University of Southern California who analyzed popular films across the most profitable countries and territories around the world. The study found that less than one-third of all speaking characters in film are female. In regards to women in the workforce, Less than a quarter of fictional on-screen working characters are women, and those female characters that are in the workforce represent less than 15% of business executives, political figures, or STEM employees. In contrast, girls and women were over twice as likely as boys and men to be shown in sexualized attire or with some nudity. Gina Davis remarked on the study, stating that media images have a powerful influence on our unconscious biases, but can also have a very positive impact on our perceptions. In the time it takes to make a movie, she stated, we can change what the future looks like. There are woefully few women CEOs in the world, but there can be lots of them in films. How do we encourage a lot more girls to pursue science, technology, and engineering careers? By casting droves of women in STEM, politics, law, and other professions today in movies. Another global study was released in early October by Plan International, entitled Hear Our Voices. The study spoke directly with over 7,000 girls and boys aged 12 to 16 in 11 countries across the world about the challenges young girls face in their daily lives. The study found that, worldwide, one in three girls reported that they never speak up and say what they think about boys, and that up to 38% of girls never or seldom feel comfortable using their school bathrooms. The study also found that concern about girls' safety was the dominant theme throughout the discussions noting that getting to and from school is one of the least safe moments of the day for girls. Rosemary McCarney, president and CEO of Plan Canada, noted that one girl responded that it was easier to teach girls to be safe and protect themselves than it is to teach boys to respect girls. Many girls also spoke about the social pressure they feel to be married by a certain age, with one in three stating that they never decide if they will become pregnant. Plan International concluded that long-term changes to social norms are the primary means of changing these statistics and girls' perceptions of their own capacities. Also in international news, on October 11th, the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts and UN Women, in partnership with Zonta International, announced the Voices Against Violence program. The program is a curriculum that will be implemented in over 12 countries through peer educators and leaders, and is projected to reach approximately 800,000 young people aged 5 to 25. It aims to address the root causes of violence 
and empower young people to make changes within their local communities and globally in order to challenge gender stereotypes and end gender-based violence. October 11th also saw the launch of Global Girl Media's new broadband channel, Global Girl Media Network, at ggmn.tv. The channel is aimed at changing the absence of girls' voices from public conversation and mainstream media by giving girls a platform to share their stories. Global Girl Media was created in 2010 by a coalition of women broadcasters and journalists who recognized that mainstream reporting lacked the everyday experiences and voices of the invisible majority, particularly young women. It supplies equipment, education, and support to help young women aged 14 to 22 in underserved and marginalized areas of the world to become digital and blog journalists. The new channel is done in partnership with TV4 Entertainment and distributes content via Hulu, Amazon, Roku, and YouTube. Also launched this past month was the Girl Generation, Together to End FGM, an African-led movement to end female genital mutilation. It begins its work in Kenya, Burkina Faso, and Nigeria, with the aim to end FGM within one generation. They will also be bringing stories of change to a global audience, stimulate media campaigns, and mobilize resources to help end FGM. You can learn more about this new campaign and join their efforts at www.thegirlgeneration.org. In our final piece of international news, we extend our congratulations to the winners of this year's Nobel Peace Prize and the TWAS Lenovo Science Prize. First, Malala Yousafzai and Kalash Satyarthi are the winners of this year's Nobel Peace Prize for their struggle against the suppression of children and young people. At 17 years old, Malala is the youngest ever recipient of the prize for her fight for the right of girls to education and her demonstration that young people can contribute to improving their own situations. Satyarthi is an Indian child rights campaigner whose peaceful protests have focused on the exploitation of children for financial gain. He founded the Save the Children movement, which campaigns for child rights and an end to human trafficking. The winners will attend an award ceremony in Oslo, Norway in December to receive their medals. Second, the winner of this year's TWAS Lenovo Science Prize is South African epidemiologist Korisha Abdul Karim for her life-saving research into medical and social strategies against HIV and AIDS. Her work focuses on a topical anti-HIV gel that appears to dramatically reduce HIV infections while giving women direct, effective control over their health. It is easy to apply, and women can use it to protect themselves from HIV with no cooperation necessary from men. The gel may become the basis for an HIV vaccine, which could help save millions of lives, without needing a vast change in social norms that have prevented many women, especially those in African countries, from negotiating sexual relationships in order to prevent the spread of HIV. Karim also helps train young African scientists who are expanding their research into HIV and tuberculosis, using clinical guidelines that help treat patients who suffer from both diseases. The prize is one of the most prestigious honors given to scientists from the developing world, and Karim is the first woman to win it. Now we move to Europe, where Iceland and Suriname have announced a men-only conference on gender equality. Foreign Minister Bragi stated that the conference intends to bring men and boys to the table on gender equality in a positive way through a barbershop conference in January 2015. It will feature the partnership of two countries that fall nearly opposite in gender rankings, with Iceland ranked top in gender equality and Suriname, a tiny South African country, 
ranked 110th in the Global Gender Gap Report of 2013. In the United Kingdom, several pieces of news have arisen this past month in relation to girls. The first was the revelation of plans to house teenage girls with male inmates at a youth detention facility in Leicester. The plan includes the building of a college to house the facility, replacing existing small secure children's homes in order to house 320 young offenders. Prison reform groups are against the plan, arguing that girls would be at risk of sexual exploitation. They have called on the Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, to reconsider the plans. Our next story from the UK is the launch of Girls Get Together fundraising campaign by Plan UK in early October. The campaign is encouraging women to meet up with friends for coffee, tea, or film nights, and then donate what they would usually spend on a similar event to Plan UK's Because I Am a Girl campaign. The funds would be used to help some of the poorest girls in the world finish their education, be protected from violence, and become empowered to stand up for their rights. Plan UK is offering a fundraising pack to anyone that wishes to take part, and encourages participants to take selfies and share them online with the hashtag GirlsGetTogether. Our last story in Europe comes from Norway, which launched a blog about the upcoming marriage of 12-year-old Thea to a 37-year-old man named Gare in mid-September. The blog featured several posts by Thea, ranging from her initial excitement at no longer having to attend school, to more bizarre and heartbreaking posts as she realized what marriage would really mean for her. On October 11th, it was revealed that the entire blog was part of a campaign run by Plan Norway, an anti-child bride organization, and that the story was not true. However, the blog did work in gaining international attention to the issue of child marriage, and the statistics which show that child marriage affects 39,000 girls every day and happens to a girl every two seconds. Child marriage is also one of the most widespread abuses against children, leading girls into forced, violent sexual relationships, unwanted pregnancy, and being robbed of their education and future economic security. While Thea's engagement was fake, Plan Norway revealed a reality that is faced by millions of girls. Now we move to Asia and the Middle East. In early October, Pakistan followed up the most extensive legislation to date outlawing child marriage with the creation of a child marriage-free zone. The zone is designed to encourage girls to stand up together for their rights when pressed unfairly into an early marriage. It supplements the new legislation, which makes marriage illegal under 18 years old, stipulates a three-year sentence on men who marry underage children, and prison terms for parents, guardians, and family friends who marry off adolescent family members. The new measures represent significant progress for the child marriage free zone movement, which started in Bangladesh and has spread throughout the world. In existing zones, great successes have been recorded as a result of girls coming together to support each other. In late October, an Afghan cleric was sentenced to 20 years in prison and $30,000 in fines after brutally raping a 10-year-old girl. The conviction is being hailed by women's rights groups and activists as a watershed moment for Afghanistan, where women are still targets of violence despite reforms since the fall of the Taliban in 2001. The rape occurred in May in northern Afghanistan, when a local teacher of religious studies asked three girls to stay behind after classes to help clean the mosque. When the girls were finished, the teacher asked the victim to stay. He tied her hands and taped her mouth before raping her. Upon returning home, the young girl reported the rape and was examined by a doctor, who confirmed the rape. After reporting it to police, the teacher was arrested and prosecuted 
under the Elimination of Violence Against Women law, which was passed in 2009. Women for Afghan Women then helped shelter the victim and navigate the legal process. What's remarkable about this case is that the victim had the courage to step forward and confront her attacker in court, speaking in her own defense when the teacher attempted to accuse her of seducing him. In another remarkable move, the court did not charge the victim with moral crimes, which has been common in Afghanistan when women attempt to report rapes. Nahid Samadi Bayram, pro program director for Women for Afghan Women, stated, A little young girl from a far province gets justice for herself. This is amazing. This is a success for human rights in the country. Also in the region, reports on ISIS's treatment of girls and women have emerged, and they are quite disturbing. According to the United Nations, the Islamic State has opened an office to sell women and girls as goods in the Iraqi city of Mosul. The report stated that women and girls literally had price tags, with the buyers being mostly youth from the Mosul area. Most of the abductees for sale were from Iraq's minority Yazidi sect, and were being sold to lure recruits to the Islamic State's cause. In an even more shocking report, two teenage Yazidi girls who escaped from the Islamic State have revealed what they went through during captivity. They described being tortured and forced to watch videos of men from their community being beheaded. Sarah, aged 15, whose name was changed to protect her identity, described her ordeal, which began August 3rd when ISIS fighters came to her village of Talazir. She fled with her mother, brother, and pregnant sister-in-law towards the mountains, but they were caught by ISIS. The women were separated from the men, who were killed by machine gun fire. She was then taken by truck to Mosul and held with hundreds of others who were to be sold off. She told GlobalPost.com reporter Tracy Shelton, We would try to make ourselves look ugly. Some women would cry or scream or fight, but it made no difference. They were always taken away. One girl hung herself. Another tried, but the IS guards stopped her and beat her very badly. No one else tried after that. She also stated that the guards would draw blood from her arm until she was sick and faint. Sarah was eventually sold to a man she described as old and fat. Her story is similar to that of 19-year-old Layla, whose husband was shot dead after they tried to flee from their village. Both girls managed to escape, aided by kind-hearted locals who risked their lives to get the girls back to freedom. Their stories come amidst widespread reports of human rights abuses by ISIS, especially against the Yazidi minority. Recently, over 120 Islamic scholars from around the world issued an open letter denouncing the militants and refuting their religious arguments. The letter stated, You have misinterpreted Islam into a religion of harshness, brutality, torture, and murder. This is a great wrong and an offense to Islam, to Muslims, and to the entire world. The letter also denounced the killing of U.S. journalists and a British aid worker, based upon the Muslim custom of protecting emissaries between groups. An array of Muslim leaders and groups have also publicly rejected the Islamic State since it's imposed its brutal rule over large areas of Syria and Iraq this past summer. Five Muslim states have also joined a U.S.-led military campaign against it. Now we move to Africa, where Sudanese women have been protesting worsening oppression and rising food prices. The cost of living in Sudan has soared since South Sudan seceded in 2011, taking with it three-quarters of the country's oil output. That is combined with increasing Islamization that has focused the brunt of its new policies on oppressing women. One such example is that of Miriam Ibrahim, 
who was sentenced to death for converting from Islam to Christianity in May. Provisions of the new Islamic policies include a ban on men and women dancing together, that women managing hair salons must be at least 35 years old, and that men cannot work as tailors for women without official approval. In Tanzania, however, women may be even more empowered thanks to the provisions of a new constitution. The proposed constitution clearly grants women the same rights to own and use land as men. The new clause will change the status quo in the region, as it will have higher legal sway than customary laws that deny land rights to women. And in Nigeria, the Oanda Foundation and the British Council have launched the Reach a Girl, Teach a Girl campaign, a Clinton Global Initiative commitment to action. The campaign is aimed at enrolling 230,000 Nigerian girls in primary school over the next three years. It also intends to help over 21,000 girls transition from primary to secondary school. It joins commitments by over 30 organizations as part of the Collaborative Harnessing Ambition and Resources for Girls Education, a global collective to advance girls' education worldwide. While the Nigerian government is committed to universal primary education, it lacks the resources to tackle its problem as the country with the most out-of-school children in the world, with nearly 10.5 million children out of school in Nigeria. Over half of them are girls, many in northern Nigeria, which has been under siege by Boko Haram. Reach a Girl, Teach a Girl aims to help girls enroll in school through community engagement, via school-based management committees, media advocacy campaigns, infrastructure improvement, and an exchange program between traditional leaders to break down harmful social norms. Now for an update on the 276 girls kidnapped by Boko Haram from Chibok, Nigeria earlier this year. In late September, reports surfaced from the UN that parents of the kidnapped girls had been mulling holding funerals to mourn their loss. These funerals are part of Nigerian custom, which dictates that persons missing for four months or more are mourned as dead. However, information on the girls leads officials to believe that they are still alive. In mid-October, 27 hostages of Boko Haram were released in northern Cameroon following the successful arrest and detention of some Boko Haram terrorists by the Nigerian government. The hostages included 10 Chinese workers and the wife of Cameroon's vice prime minister. They were noted to be in very poor physical condition, raising concerns about the Chibok girls and other hostages still held by Boko Haram. And on October 17th, Reports emerged that a ceasefire had been announced between Nigeria and Boko Haram. As reported by BBC News Africa, the Nigerian military had agreed to a ceasefire and the release of the abducted schoolgirls after a month of negotiations mediated by Chad. The development came as a surprise to the international community, as Nigeria had previously denied being willing to negotiate with Boko Haram, despite rumors of peace talks. Many Nigerians remain extremely skeptical about the announcement especially since Boko Haram has made no public announcement of its own. The news of potential peace was quickly followed by a breakdown of the truce and kidnapping of 24 more girls near the Nigeria-Cameroon border. To date, the release of the girls has yet to come. Reuters reports that Chad believed Nigeria's deal will still go ahead despite the breakdown of the truce not more than a week after it was made. Chad officials also stated that the new finding is likely from dissidents that Boko Haram isn't able to control and that the two sides had agreed verbally to a series of points summarized in an official document, which included the release of the schoolgirls and jailed Boko Haram fighters. Boko Haram has not yet commented on the deal. 
Some of the girls who escaped Boko Haram during the initial months of capture have also returned to school on scholarships that will allow them to continue their education in Adamawa State or Kaduna State. Our thoughts and prayers remain with those kidnapped by Boko Haram for their quick, safe return and full recovery from the horrors they have faced. Now we move to our final segment, Incredible Girls for the month of October. Our first incredible girl is Fatou Kikula, a 22-year-old nursing school student who nursed her entire family through Ebola in her West African hometown. She accomplished her nursing without contracting Ebola herself and saved three of her four relatives through homemade equipment. Her trash bag method is now being taught to other West Africans who can't get into hospitals and don't have protective gear of their own. It involves strategically placing trash bags and a series of other gear, including boots, socks, stockings, raincoat, and four pairs of gloves in order to protect herself from contracting the disease. She donned the gear several times a day for two weeks while nursing her family back to health. She also consulted with her family doctor by phone and obtained medicines from a local clinic. Next is 10-year-old Andrea Alzenet, who has become the youngest artist ever to have an ex exhibition at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney, Australia. Her exhibit, Andrea's Amazing Wish, displays paintings she created while in hospital for treatment for acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Her mother, Tamar, has stated that the exhibit was Andrea's weapon that helped her maintain a positive outlook during treatment. The museum worked in partnership with the Make-A-Wish Foundation to open Andrea's Amazing Wish earlier this month. Andrea is still in treatment for her leukemia and has been invited to paint animals at the Western Plains Zoo as she continues to battle the disease. In the United Kingdom, 17-year-old Fama Mohammed has been awarded Good Housekeeping's Outstanding Young Campaigner of the Year Award. Fama is the face of a Guardian-backed campaign to raise awareness of female genital mutilation in schools. Within three weeks of the campaign's launch, her petition on Change.org attracted over 230,000 signatures and garnered public support from Malala Yousafzai and UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon. It also resulted in Education Secretary Michael Gove writing all teachers in England and Wales about FGM. The award recognizes her determination and campaigning spirit, as well as her commitment to preventing female genital mutilation and warnings to protect girls across the UK. Lindsay Nicholson, editorial director of Good Housekeeping, also stated that the honor proves that you don't need access, influence, or a large staff to affect real change, just passion, drive, and overwhelming determination. In the United States, three female Marine Corps members passed the initial combat endurance test that screened for infantry officers, paving the way for the first potential female graduates from the program. To date, 24 female volunteers have attempted the Marine Corps Infantry Officer course, but none have passed. This year, seven women attempted the course. Three of them passed and will move on to the next training. Two of the women are captains who volunteered, and the third is a lieutenant who is trying for the second time. However, if the women pass the infantry course, they will not be allowed to join the infantry. The course was open to women last July on an experimental basis, and the job itself remained closed to women. Despite this, proving that women are just as capable as men is an important step in gaining equality for women in militaries across the globe. Also in the United States is incredible 12-year-old McKenna Peterson of Arizona. McKenna is on a mission to get Dick's Sporting Goods, a major sports retailer, to recognize that girls like sports just as much as boys. 
She wrote a letter to the company complaining about how there weren't any girls in a recent basketball catalog, which went viral after her father posted the letter on Twitter. The letter talked about McKenna's love of women's basketball and how her favorite team, the Phoenix Mercury, are the Western Conference champions and league champions of 2014. She then stated that she was disappointed about there being only one girl in the catalog, on page 6, where she was sitting in the stands, and only small mentions of women in relation to shoes and cheerleaders on some coupons. She then stated that she would want to go to another store to buy her next basketball shoes, one that supported female athletes. Dick's Sporting Goods called McKenna and her father to discuss the letter and said they would reevaluate their catalog. In North Carolina, one 11-year-old girl is raising funds for children orphaned by the Ebola virus in West Africa. Ivy Jones of Apex, North Carolina, is making purses out of Liberian fabric and selling them in an effort to make over $4,000 for orphans. She is also collecting hand sanitizer and teddy bears for the children. The Ebola virus is an issue close to home for Ivy, whose cousin recently died from the virus. She also has several family members who live in Liberia. To make a donation to Ivy's efforts, visit www.morethanme.org. And in Spokane, Washington, 14-year-old Brooke Martin had a problem. Her dog suffered severe separation anxiety when her family was away from home. At the Geek Wire Summit show in early October, Brooke stole the show with her solution, the IC Pooch. The IC Pooch is a contraption that lets you video chat with your pet and dispense treats remotely, helping to aid pets' anxiety at being left alone in the house. Before leaving, you stick a tablet or smartphone into the dispenser and load it up with treats. Then you connect to the device from anywhere and start calling your pet. Brooke's dog responded well, and even does tricks on command to get treats. And it's not Brooke's only foray into business. The inventive 14-year-old has also been selling Girl Scout cookies since she was 4 years old and opened a lemonade stand at age 5 to help a sick friend. I see Pooch is available on Brooke's website and at a number of retailers. Our final incredible girl is Caitlin Prater-Hack of Calgary, Canada. On September 25th, someone broke into her high school locker and used her iPad to post a Facebook status update that told her to die. Instead of letting it upset her, Caitlin responded with kindness by coming to school early on October 6th and placing post-it notes on all 850 of the school's lockers with kind messages, such as, you're beautiful. She was then reprimanded for littering because some of the notes fell off the lockers. Caitlin's mother then became involved, as no action was taken against the bullying Caitlin faced, while Caitlin herself was punished for a positive act. Her community banded together to launch a new anti-bullying campaign called Positive Post-It Day, which encourages people to leave anonymous notes of kindness for one another on October 9th. Police are now investigating the break-in to Caitlin's locker and the Facebook post. We hope you have enjoyed October's News Roundup. We invite you to tune into our next podcast on November 14th, where we will be looking at girls in sports. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. If you like hearing a fresh, girl-positive perspective on the internet, please support us with a tax-deductible donation easily made on our website. Our music is courtesy of up-and-coming artist Han Av. You can find her SoundCloud link on our website.